0: All right, I gotta start my timer on time this week. Last week I went for thirty minutes. Okay, great. Um, good morning. Um, my name is Sam. Hello. <laughs> All right. Yeah, some people who've met me before are here. Yeah. Um, great. Uh, it's it's wonderful to be here on this rainy. I don't know if it's raining anymore. It was rainy when I left the house this morning. Um, On this rainy Sunday morning uh, at the end of the semester, so I know not everyone is on the semester schedule, but if you live around here, everything kind of feels like it's on a semester schedule. Um, So thank you for being here. I know it's sometimes it's harder to get out of bed than it is uh, on other days. Um, So I'm Sam, as I said, I'm a political science PhD student at UNC Chapel Hill. There's going to be a lot of political scientists today, so Amanda is a political scientist. Um, We may have another one later. Um, If we're lucky, we'll have another one later. Um, And I actually uh, will say a little bit about (laughs) political science in a minute, strangely. Um, But yeah, so I want to begin uh, by just reading uh, the text, and by thinking about how we started with Justin kind of introducing James as a book of wisdom for life um, a couple weeks ago, and then last week I kind of talked about what the meaning of the phrase faith without works is dead is, like what it actually means. Um, so I encourage you to, to watch this again if you watch them one time, and uh, <laughs> to watch them for the first time if you haven't seen them. But this week I'm going to talk about words a lot. Um, So, yeah, let's just jump into it, and uh, I'll read the scripture, and we'll pray, and we'll get get off off to the races. All right. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed, and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, than peace-loving, Consider it submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Father, help us think about these hard words. Um, we've all said things we wish we hadn't said. And we've all left silence where we should have spoken. I pray that you'd help us think about how we might follow you more and rely on you more in those moments and treat each other as likenesses of you. Amen. All right, so what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about words and what you say. I know there's like a lot of tough stuff there. It's like a restless evil. It's like very intense, uh, kind of unsettling words uh, from James. Um, But I want to start by talking about how what I'm actually going to talk about is about justice and about goodness and a good life spent with the Lord and Jesus following Jesus. But most of you, when I say justice, you usually, and this is the political science part, you usually think about like rules and policies and government and institutions. You kind of think like, if there's a real problem, we probably should get together and solve it. And in fact, you are right right um generally speaking that's exactly the right kind of thing to think about it's actually perfectly compatible and maybe even demanded by christian thought i won't get into (laughs) trying to say what the politics are of the bible um but there are really big issues and rules and policies that need to change and it'll take more than individual action to get it done and it's perfectly christian to do that um but it is also perfectly in line with scripture to care about what you are like as a person and try to think that that also has an important role in a just society and a good life spent with Jesus, right? So I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about these other rules. I'm just saying that we also should care about um, God. In fact, even in Isaiah 61, which is probably the first statement of the gospel in the Bible, uh, or I think of it as that— it says, They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Right? This is like a big task, not the task of one single person. Right? But here's the thing. Who you are also matters. And you can make a difference, good or bad, in who you are. So today we're going to be talking about the difficulty of words in life and their relationship to who we are. Um, the overview is about to be on the screen we're going to be talking about the what the like general vibe since there are some seniors in the room i should use words like vibe the general vibe of speech in life right like what what is what is our what are words playing into life and like what's the general condition of us with respect to words um and then we'll think about like the characters in james two and three maybe you don't think about it this way but there are like specific people maybe not historical people um but like characters in James 2 and 3, and they have specific relationships to words, and that is kind of revelatory of what kind of people they are like. Um, And then we'll kind of switch and think about what this means for our daily lives, right? Maybe what practices we might engage in to think about words, right? So like last week, utterly practical, right? We're going to be thinking about this kind of stuff together, um, and I hope I have something useful for you. So the first thing we'll think about is just what what situation we are in with respect to words. Right? What is it like when we walk out the door or when we stay, when we stay inside with the people we live with and we speak or we listen or we don't speak. The general condition of speech this passage says is no one can tame human speech. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison, right? So not great, uh, not a great situation. And in fact, if you look at it and read the way it's, thinking, way it's thinking about speech, it doesn't feel, sometimes you read the Bible and you think, boy, these people are totally different from people today. And then you read like words like this, speech is a restless evil, the tongue is untamable. Uh, and you think, well, maybe they are like us. Right, Because when I think about politics or our relationships with other people, um, the way we treat strangers or the way we treat people, treat people in the service industry, um, or the way we treat people who are harder for us to love for whatever reason, um, this verse does not ring false. It rings true. Um, and in fact, Jesus has things to say about speech, Right? about the general way in which speech can reveal what's going on inside us. So, for example, in Matthew 15, Jesus says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? It's a very literal demonstration. Jesus does make jokes, um, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. That is, those things which are in the heart. Right. So you're, it's talking indirectly. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what defile a person. So while if you were here last week, you know that great proclamations of faith are not themselves the best evidence of faith. But that doesn't mean that words don't matter. And in fact, as Jesus said, they can play a very serious role in indicating what's going on inside of us. Now, I'm going to say that words have a kind of magic, and I don't mean anything weird about that. I just mean that they are... They have this moral and relational power that once I start talking through it, you'll realize what I'm talking about. So like, let's think about how words can matter to us. Like, just think about someone who you love as I say these phrases. I promise. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I hate you. I am so proud of you. I see you, I hear you, I love you. Words can wound and empower and lead and mislead and inspire and condemn. And once I say, I promise, or I love you, There is this new thing that happens where the way that I live and the way that I talk about the way that I live need to match up or they will just tear. This like space between us will tear if the way that we talk about who we are together does not match the way we are together. Why are words so powerful? As Jesus says, they can reveal what is in our hearts, even if it doesn't show us entirely or truly who we are, right? Like, sometimes you say things that you really wish you hadn't said and you wish you could take back, and it's not entirely who you are when you say those things. But still, there's something important going on. This, is, this part is actually what I'm about to say. The part about God's likeness is just directly from this text. Words are important because they're often directed at the image of God. And they come out of someone who is made in the image of God. God is like, this is like the kind of big words, but everything actually counts on God. There's just nothing that's true, nothing that you can count on, nothing that you can think about that doesn't, in fact, itself rely on God. It's just a big thing. To be made in the image of God. But, uh, and this is like the, I'll sprinkle in some fun things that I like to, to read from. But like as Milton said, the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil are so mixed up in the field of this life that they can hardly be pulled apart. And so though we are made in the image of God, and though the people we speak to are made in the image of God, we are bound to mess up. This is what the text means when it says the tongue is a restless thing and it's sort of untamable. We're going to mess up. Because we know this general condition of how things are, it makes it all the more important that we know how to say things like, I forgive you and will you forgive me and actually mean it. This is a favorite quote of mine. Many promising reconciliations have broken down because while both parties came prepared to forgive, neither party came prepared to be forgiven. So just as I talked about last week, the wise person is someone who tries to follow Jesus and put what he says into practice. That is a, just what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, just like if you're a disciple of Cristiano Ronaldo, you're trying to figure out how to play football really well, right? You're a disciple of Jesus and that you're trying to do what Jesus taught really well. So just to sum up this like kind of big, kind of almost philosophical, but actually very practical thing about the way we live our lives, saying things like, I promise I love you. And can you believe what that guy said? And words matter so much because they reveal what is stirring in us. And we are images of God. What is swirling deep down isn't always good or lovely or true or fitting for an image of God. And words matter because when we speak, we speak with the significance of image bearers. This is uh, almost a joke. If a parrot says, you're just like your mother, or if we cry out to trees and rocks for help and they don't respond, it doesn't hurt us the way it would if someone who knows us and loves us says, you're just like your mother. Or if we cry out to a stranger for help and they don't answer. Okay, we're going to get back to James now. I mean, we were in James, but I just wanted you to think about words. I mean, it's just, it feels weird to have to motivate it, but it really does matter what we say. And it's not in this like abstract way. It's because you are made in the image of God and the people you speak to are as well. All right, so who are the people in James? This is the part where, like, it's semi-comical because I've given them all names. I don't know that I really needed to do that, but um, I will talk about them. They should be up here in a second. Yes. Yeah, this is... If you ever read one of my papers, you know that they're going to be, like, funnily named people. So one of these people that's talked about in James 2 is who will call faith without works fred so fred is like the person who proclaims himself to be a great carpenter accomplished in every way in carpentry but you've never seen fred make anything out of wood and if you asked him for help on a project he would say he was busy right that is what it is to live try to live a life of faith without works is this fred character now i won't spend any more time on fred because we talked about him last week Um, The next person, and this is the scary part to preach about because I am teaching, uh, is the not-so-good teacher, Ted. Um, This is the part where I think... There's a couple people here who I think will hit home really quickly. Ted is one of them, and Earl. Earl is one of them. I really wish I hadn't named them now. Um, It's all right. They're really, I don't know why I think they're so funny. Um, so here's the thing about bad teachers. Um, we're not just talking about like people who teach third grade language arts. Um, we're talking about rabbis, people who purport to teach the way of life that is good, a way of life that leads to love and goodness and success and righteousness, right? There are lots of these teachers. And this passage says that not many of you should desire to be like this, because people like this are held to a kind of higher standard. Why? Because this can be truly destructive. This is why I find it kind of a trembling responsibility to teach, um, because I know that it's very difficult. Um, Not to give too much away about the political science work that I do, Um, But one of the things I think about is how so many pastors are, in fact, not able to preach things that they think they ought to preach. This is from 2 Timothy. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist to discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, maybe you are not going to be teaching the gospel on a stage or something like this, but there is a perfect corollary to not many of you should desire to be teachers, and it is this, be careful who you listen to. There are so many people teaching so many different gospels. And not all of them are the way to life. Um, and not all of them are saying that they're teaching the gospel. Um, Earl, who we're about to talk to, is somebody who believes a completely different gospel and who I identify with way too much. So let's think about Earl. Earl is the like one of the only people in these passages who is not a hypocrite. It is the one who loves the wrong thing. They're envious and ambitious boasting about it and denying the truth. This is the person who the passage says has wisdom in quotation marks. Um, so here's another kind of like um, silly way of thinking about this. My a friend of mine, Sandy has this principle, the soup principle. And that is that whatever you are like when you are young, if you don't do anything about it, you will like cook down like a slow soup reduction. And by the time you are old, you will be a lot more whatever you were to begin with. Right, so if you find yourself annoyed at simple things and you're 20, add 60 years, right, of that soup reduction. And so this is like part of why it's so important to care about who you are becoming in Christ because time will do the work and hopefully you become the sort of person uh, like we talked about last week who is easy in themselves, useful to others, a joy in Christ, always confessing the good truth and serving other people. And, this is like this test, like you meet old people like this who are just really excited about life, and then you meet old people who are just not and are angry. Anyway, I I won't go into, into depth about it because I know it can be a hard thing. But here's the quick way of summing it up. You become what you love. And Earl loves his ambition and his envy. Here's a quote that should make you feel slightly uncomfortable. What is good? All that enhances the feeling of power, the will to power and the power itself in man. What is bad? All that proceeds from weakness. What is happiness? The feeling that power is increasing, that resistance has been overcome. Um, That is from a book that is literally called The Antichrist. (laughs) It's fighting Nietzsche. You don't need to know that. But like seeking, I know you're like, oh, you're bringing up Nietzsche on Sunday morning. But um, people often act and speak in ways that are meant to make them feel more powerful, more important than other people. And sometimes it's to the point where they act as if they are more made in the image of God than anybody else. Or people like them are made more in the image of God than anybody else. And just like I said, like talking in ways that are out of line with the way we are actually made in the image of God, tear at reality, putting yourself above other people does this. And hear what Jesus says about this. This is like the perfect answer to the quote, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who sow peace and reap righteousness, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That passage does not say, blessed are the powerful, vengeful, spiteful, proud, tall, handsome, rich, praised, accomplished, right? Like that's, (laughs) it is the exact opposite, but this is the, like, be careful who you listen to. You are, it's just so likely that the podcast you listen to is saying that the good life is in accomplishment and success, and here's how to be more successful. It is not how weakness is a guide to strength. All right, so enough of the, like, doom and gloom. Let's talk about Felicia, who is like Abraham and Rahab, right? Right? This is the person who is wise and understanding among you. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Now, it doesn't say anything about talking in that passage. It's worth noting. And think back to last week, if you were here, if you won't, I am explaining it anyway. Um the two like early central metaphors I used for the like faith without works is dead are a gym And the library if someone else buys you a membership to the gym and you never work out you cannot expect to become strong and if someone else gets you a library card and you never go to the library you cannot expect to learn in the same way this character in this sermon faith is made complete Felicia right she's doing things that she would only do if she actually believed the things that Jesus says. Like forgiving other people, practicing patience, caring for the poor, caring for the ugly. Honestly, like people who are just not thought of as blessed. Another person who is very similar to this character is um, Wise Wilma or Peaceful Pearl. Did they really? Did I end up there? Wow. Okay. I sent these names to um, Brooke. I think it was Brooke. Yes. Thanks, Brooke. Um, and now I feel like Brooke should have exercised editorial, like, power and just gone. This is weird. This whole section should be deleted with the names. But I, I still like it. I don't know. Um, it's just an odd kind of like very serious topic with Wilma. Um, I was telling Anne about this this morning, and she thought, is there like a Flintstones theme with Fred and Wilma on this? I don't know. That's extremely... Peaceful Pebbles. Yeah, right. Peaceful Pebbles. Perfect. (laughs) So, the one who has great faith sows in peace, reaping in righteousness. Oh, great. What does this actually mean? Well... Peace is this great, like, deep justicey word, right? We actually know that it means something like well-being, but it also means, like, right relationship, and it means, like, right rule. All those things are kind of ruled into one. And let me just read this passage where this, I'm getting this from. is For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So I said that this was all about like who you become, and I wasn't going to talk about institutions at all or rules. Um, But there really is a relationship between who you are and the bigger picture of the injustices in the world because people who love power build spaces where they can be more powerful and peacemakers build spaces where people can be brought in no matter who they are. I am landing the plane back at Spiritual Disciplines. And this whole concluding section is basically just all stolen from Dallas Willard again. Um, And I would encourage you, if you would like this talk about spiritual disciplines, you should check out The Spirit of the Disciplines or The Great Omission, which is another good one. What does it mean to try to do any of this stuff that has to do with words? Like I mostly just described all these different outcomes, but I haven't told you any way to get there. What would it mean to try to become more like Wilma <laughs> and Pebbles? Um, right? Like, even people who spend a lot of time with the embodied Jesus say things that they wish they had not. Peter literally says to Jesus, I will not deny you. And Jesus says, I know what will happen. And before morning, Peter denies Jesus three times he just says things that he wish he wouldn't say so before I tell you what the discipline is I want to remind you what I think a discipline is a discipline is an activity within our power so something you can do which brings us to a point where we can do what at present we cannot do by direct effort that's a mouthful But just like when you go to the gym and you work out, over time you can actually pick something up that you weren't able to pick up before. That is utterly practical, and that is exactly what I mean when I'm talking about spiritual disciplines. When we say the giving liturgy every week, week after week, it's getting in there. And now when I think about generosity, I think about how I actually am not the true owner of anything that I have. Right, These like words can work on you. And this is a challenging point if you feel like you don't really need to do this. Um, I love coming to church, and I love being in church, and I love the terrible responsibility of preaching. Um, but you just will not actually become more like Jesus by coming here, sitting and listening, and going home. If that were true... Um, there would be a lot more people who are a lot more like Jesus. So, a discipline that you might think of. It's actually a pair of disciplines. Solitude and silence. Now again, these are things that I think that you can do within your power to do, and they will enable you to do things with Jesus that you could not do before. No headphones, no phone, no friends around, just start with nothing. And after you have nothing, you might add a dark room and a single candle. Solitude and silence is meant to clear away all those other things, the context that you're in and the pressures on your life, the things that made Peter deny Christ even though he said he wouldn't. Just sit and listen and wait. It's one of the hardest things. (laughs) You will probably fall asleep. Um, You can do it outside walking through a park. But I'd encourage you to actually spend time in quiet. Because that's, I know it sounds cheesy, but like that's actually how you become slow enough to listen and slow enough to not say things um, that you wish you hadn't and know when to speak. So I challenge you to spend even 10 minutes actually doing this this week and just see what happens. I want to pray as uh, Justin's coming up. Father, anyone we meet, anyone we see, whether they're accused of a crime, whether they've committed a crime, whether they're well or unwell, rich or poor, When we look at them, we're looking into your face in some way. And when we speak to them, I pray that we would speak as you're there, as we're speaking to someone who's made in your image. And Father, when we listen, I pray that we would do likewise. Pray, you'd help us do these things and make make space for quiet. Help us to slow down, wait. We love you, Lord. Amen.
1: Are you getting it? Are you getting our need for Jesus? Just thinking about how many times this past week, even, how have our, how have our words not lined up with our actions? how have we found ourselves falling short of maybe our expectation for ourselves or someone else's expectation for us? But really, isn't it about aligning with Jesus' expectation for who we are? And who we are are bearers of his image. And we can find rest in that. Are you getting the need for the practical wisdom for daily living, right? It is each and every day. And so as we come to the table, we're reminded that it is in Jesus, in Jesus alone, who is faultless and whose words are perfect, That the alignment of what he says is found in what he has done. That he would make a way for us. And the words that he said to the disciples on that night as they were gathered around the table with him. They didn't know at that point how it was going to play out. He was giving them the words of this is my body broken for you. And in the cup that he would say this this is my blood the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin to cover all of those places where your words don't align with your actions. His body and his blood then would be broken and poured out for us. His actions aligning with his words for you and for me that daily live in we can experience the fullness of his love and his grace and his mercy for us. So friends, you are invited to this table today to experience the grace that he has for you. I'm going to tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. His body and his blood broken and poured out for you. Will you pray with me? God, we know that we are in need of you. in that need you are ready before we can even confess it with our hearts or our lips ready to embrace us and draw us into a life lived with you where our hearts our minds our words and our actions can be transformed, shaped into your image more and more each day by your grace and your mercy for us. So, Holy Spirit, meet with us as we come to your table today. Pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to come to the table.